What's going on, guys? And welcome in to Post Loons. It's May 15th, 2022. And uh, James Hargrave is here from Pod on You Loons. We'll introduce James in just a second. But we are here to break down, unfortunately, a Minnesota United loss at the hands of Seattle Sounders. What do you know? Minnesota travels uh, to, the specific, <laughs> to, the specific, to the Pacific Northwest to take on Seattle. And they come away with zero points once again. No points. Yeah. My name's Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as I mentioned, from Pot on You Loons, all the way in the Netherlands, Mr. James Hargrave. James, how you doing? I'm good, mate. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I, I must say, we were talking about it uh, pre-going live. This is the first loss uh, that I'll be doing post loons on. I was I was really hoping that this one would be uh, would continue yep. the streak, but uh, unfortunately, it's Seattle in Seattle, so unfortunately, it was not to be. Yeah, it is now zero wins in seven tries. Uh, for the loons in Seattle, uh, not even a point either. That's seven times in their MLS tenure, they have gone to Seattle, and seven times they have come up short. Uh, and yeah. so that that streak continues, unfortunately. But the streak of James and I going post game on a win has unfortunately ended. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the stream. As you're trickling in, if you would like to leave a question, comment, hot take. Uh, just overall takeaway from the match, feel free to drop that in the chat as we move along. We will sort of reference those and respond to those as we move along. But James, we will get right into our three things here. And I'm actually going to go first on the three things once my Ooh. notes populate back up. Uh, here Good we go. Effort. All right. Got to go. Got to go back to the top. I was at the bottom. Now I got to go back to the top of the, of the notes. Here we are. Um, my first thing, and this has been sort of a thing that I've I've really sort of failed to really try to put into words and i'm going to attempt to do that here there have been too many nothing counters for this minnesota united team pretty much all season long now what's a nothing counter a nothing counter is when the loons hit a counter attack and you're thinking okay there is going to be a really good opportunity here either they have numbers or it's three on three and you're like okay you have a Mano reynoso of all people bringing the ball up the pitch in a three on three scenario this is going to end up in a good opportunity and Nine times out of 10 this season, those opportunities have not even ended up in a shot, James. There's either a final ball that's missing. There's either a, a, a shot that goes wide. There's a cross into nobody. Um, there's a final pass that ends up over the end line. It just, it, it seems like there are so many opportunities in the buildup that Minnesota United consistently has. Um, and they have the horses to turn those into opportunities but there is just a huge piece that seems to be missing in that puzzle for them to consistently generate those opportunities into shots or shots on target or just anything that looks dangerous. And it's, it's becoming a common theme. Yeah. I mean, I agree. We, we just, we lack something. I don't know what it is. It's like that spark or just, and there was there was at least one point where we had a counter and then we kind of got bogged down where we passed between four or five players in the box and and no one really seemed to seem to want to shoot. I think we just got to pull the trigger sometimes. And you saw that a couple of Seattle goals, at least the last one definitely, was from outside the box. And we're we're trying to play kind of into the box as much as possible. And it was only really in the second half that we started to to really shoot from outside the box. And yeah, I think sometimes when we're when we're doing that counter, we've just got to let it loose a little earlier. 
I think we're holding onto the ball too long and trying to expect too much where you know we can catch goalkeepers off guard or we can catch defenders off guard if we just if we just go for it and, and take the shot but for some reason we just don't seem to either like want to or feel confident enough to do so yeah I'm not I'm not really sure but you're right it is it is a problem that we seem to be having quite a lot it is. And you see the almost the exact opposite of that in this match on the other side with Seattle, where they really take advantage of their opportunities and their buildups, their counterattacks are bing, bang, boom, four passes. And all of a sudden you got a good shot on goal. Um, could have been a, could have been a lot more tonight for Seattle. Could have been a few more goals for Minnesota tonight, too. But uh, it does end up in that 3-1 loss. James, what's your first thing? My first thing is uh, Franco's, Franco's cross is just unfortunately don't look up the scratch like mm-hmm. he he'll get credited with an assist um but that was also not a very good cross like it's more yeah. just defender error robin lord smashes it in gets the the robin hood celebration going the camera isn't quite big enough to, to show that <laughs> show the, right. what look, I'm look, good, to do. look good from here look good from here uh but uh i have my lord shirt on obviously but um yeah i mean all of those crosses were either pretty much all went to a defender. Like none of them really turned into kind of shots on goal or even attempts at headers. It was either, I mean, I'm not even sure the keeper was troubled by many, if any of those crosses. Right. So that's something we got to work on. And I don't know, like he's better than this. He should be better than this. Like there's, there's no excuse when, Ray manages to get Franco the ball so many times in a game, especially in the first half, that we don't have good execution out of that and good delivery. That's just not acceptable. I think you're really seeing what a difference maker Fragapane was last year when he was playing at or close to his best, right? I mean, he was constantly, constantly a problem down the left side of the pitch. And really, at the end of the season, you saw how well he was working with Unu, with Reynoso, with Wood and how that attack was clicking at the end of last season. Now, all of a sudden, you have a Fragapani, whether it's confidence, whether it's linging injuries, whatever it is, he's just not not his self in terms of what how, how good we've seen he can perform. Um, and there was one instance that, that comes to mind, James, as, as you mentioned that, I think it was in the second half, where Fragapani gets the ball on the left, and he takes it to the byline, which I love when he does, because usually it's, it's something dangerous. And there's so much space in the box. There's so many pockets we could pass that ball to. And for some reason, either he doesn't get a good foot on it or whatever it is, that pass goes right to Stefan Fry in goal to cut it off. Yeah. And that's another sort of nothing opportunity where you think you're on the edge of your seat, like, oh, there's 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 opportunities here, there's there's options, and it just pitters out very anticlimactically. Um, and I think yeah. that that sort of melds uh each of our first things there. Um my second thing. And it's it's a good segue here because it's about Franco Fragapani. He needs to be more decisive. You mentioned sorry, Franco, but <laughs> yeah, I know. We're sorry, sorry, Franco, but there were just a couple things tonight that that really showed from him individually what what is missing and what's lacking, especially compared to what we saw from him last season, right? Um, yeah. And he's got to be more. He's got to be more decisive. There was an opportunity in the first half where he tried to center a pass two different times. It was blocked two different times uh, when he did have a pretty clear shot uh, or a clear view of the goal. And if you're Franco Fragapani, you got to trust yourself that you could, you can put a good accurate shot on goal from inside the box, from inside the 18. I think any 
above average or better left winger in MLS can probably do that. Um, and I would consider Fragapane went on his day to be one of those top guys. So um, it's just sort of, uh, uh, I don't, it seems to be a confidence issue from what we know and the information we've been given. Obviously he has missed some time due to injuries this season, but yeah. I don't know. It just seems, just seems to be, as we've mentioned, there's a piece missing in that attack. I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of quality that we've seen from Fragapane. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this is this is kind of one of the problems we have and one of the problems that, you know, uh, on the podcast on uh, Pot on New Loons we alerted to as well was that Bongi uh, is really good when defenders are tiring and doesn't look as good when you start him. So usually you would start Franco. He's like great for 60 minutes. Then you sub on Bongi for 30 minutes, who's just even more explosive and much more attacking. But if you're not getting that production and that ability to wear defenders down in the first 60 minutes, Bongi's like uh, um, Bongi's kind of as effective. Yeah. Efficiency was what I was looking for. His effectiveness and efficiency are are no are not going to be as high, and his his impact isn't going to be as explosive, right? So, I think that's a problem that we have is that to unlock the best of Bongi, we have to unlock the best of Franco or whoever we're going to put on left wing, and currently we don't have that, and and that's mm-hmm. kind of going to be a problem because I don't think all respect to Bongi. Uh, and the South Africans listening, I, which they probably aren't, to be honest, but um, given the time, but they might be, they might be, um, you know, I don't think that Bongi's playing his best or is as as explosive and that might not even be his fault. And I don't think he is a starter, um, you know, is young, is explosive, but when defenders are at their best and at their kind of most alert that's kind of already blunted as it is. It is. And, and as you mentioned, you know, and, and you've tried the inverse, you've tried starting Bongi and you yeah. tried bringing Fragapane off the bench. You've, you know, and you've tried, I mean, Fragapane coming into the season was your starter. Some questions have been asked on whether his quality deserves that, but you've tried the other way around. And while Hongwani does bring a lot of energy and a lot of explosiveness, um, when that energy is matched with a completely fresh de- defense or other side of the pitch, it's not as effective, right? No. And so there is a bit of a conundrum that Adrian Heath and this this coaching staff face in terms of how how they sort of put together this roster and then how they put together the moves that they're going to make within the match. Um, there doesn't seem to be a clear answer to that question right now. And that also in turn affects continuity and consistency i believe this is the 12th different starting 11 that this team has put together in 12 different matches this season um it's (laughs) and that's tough i mean it's hard to blame them for doing so because circumstances with injuries and and quality of play and things like that have dictated those changes but you're also not going to get the best out of your team when you're constantly starting new players at different positions uh you have to find a way to get some continuity and consistency and to do that, you might have to bite the bullet and say, you know what, these guys haven't necessarily been performing the best, but we need to put these guys on the field together for three, four straight matches and just see if they can develop some sort of chemistry because chemistry is lacking big time on this front yeah. line specifically. And and that's kind of one thing that at the moment 
I'm kind of okay with that we've had 12 different lineups in 12 games because you would rather do this at the start of the season than have 12 games with one lineup and then at the back end of the season be forced to change it around and, and have to do all these different things. I'd rather we experiment now and then kind of mid-season then lock it in and be like, okay, we only really want to do like two or three different lineups going forward. And then we kind of take that to the finish rather than the other way around. So why I agree, like it's it's 12 lineups in 12 games is a lot. I'm also I'm also glad that these guys are getting playing time together and mm-hmm. like with a bunch of different people because this is where we can kind of see what chemistry we have or in in most cases we don't have. You just don't want to wait till it's too late for that chemistry to develop. I'm thinking last season where I mean it was really the last 5 6 matches that you saw this team really start to click. You think if that happens yeah, earlier in the season too late. <laughs> Maybe, maybe you generate yourself a home playoff match. Maybe you generate yourself, you know, a, a top tier uh, seed, if you will, in the West. Um, you don't want to see that happen. I mean, I, you'd rather see it than not. Better late than never, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, you, ideally, you would see that happen earlier. And so hopefully they can find some of that consistency and continuity moving forward. Um, yeah. yeah. What's your second thing, James? Can we just never play in Seattle again? Um, <laughs> it's pretty much... My second thing, like, will we ever actually win? We are, we, we will we ever, ever get a point? Like you alerted to, we're, we're zero and seven. It's also the third time that we've given up a lead there as well. Um, conference final, obviously, the painful one. 2017 regular season game, we lost as well when we had the lead. And in those seven games, they have now scored three or more goals in four of them. So. Whatever whatever we have a problem with at Seattle, at Lumen Field, we we have a leaky defense. We we can't seem to hold a lead. We just get overrun at the end. It's there's some kind of weird thing that happens where Seattle starts yeah. slow and just completely finish with a flurry, and we seemingly have no way to stop that. And I don't know why. It's yeah. It's not even like a one-off. It's now a completely repeating circumstance, like every time. Yeah, and you're looking, you're looking at the team who you sort of want to want to become in a way, right? If if you you know Seattle is sort of the the blueprint, the benchmark for some of these newer clubs and, and how they want to be perceived and the consistency that they want to have as as leaders in the Western Conference. And I mean, you just kind of see every time you seem to play Seattle, you just seem to see how far away you are, especially in Seattle, how far away you are from that actually becoming a reality. Um, and it's just a huge matchup. It seems to be a huge matchup problem every single time where Seattle has the horses. They have the firepower. I mean, they're missing one of their best attacking players in Joao Paulo, but oh, no worries. We have Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris and, you know, all these other guys who, and, you know, Christian Roldan. And you're just like, man, like, I thought I thought teams were only allotted two designated players, like or three designated players. How how, really? how do these guys seem to have like five or six? But uh, that's just it's a testament Man. to the quality that Seattle's been able to obtain and continue to sustain through through the years. And, yeah, go ahead, James. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it's really against us. Like this yeah. season, I saw a stat right that someone someone tweeted out this season. They have six points in two games against us, 
and they have four points in seven games against everyone else. Yeah. It's it's literally it's it's not them, it's us, right? It's just it's <laughs> literally we are like we are just so bad against Seattle, and I just don't know why. Like we're just not good. Yeah. You rely on and your defense sucks. a lot. You're a team who relies on your, your defense a lot for Minnesota United because this team has really never shown an ability to consistently generate goals and multiple goals over multiple matches. Um, and so when you're facing a team like Seattle and you don't have that defensive presence that you normally have and you give up three or more goals, as you said, they've done a majority of, of these matches, you're not you're not going to score with them. You're not going to be able to do that. It's just not, not who Minnesota United has been. Maybe one day they can get there. But it hasn't been who Minnesota United has been, um, a team that can keep up with a team like Seattle and goals. Uh, but to sort of play the other side of this with my third thing is I don't think today was a very bad effort overall for Minnesota United. I thought they really hung with Seattle for a vast, vast majority of the match. Um, obviously, you get the early goal and you go into halftime feeling really, really good about the, being 1-0 up. Um, but the second half, the the wheels just started, started to fall off and – you know, Seattle's always, always been a team that that makes the right and necessary adjustments to sort of finish strong. Um, and they sort of had that edge over Minnesota today in the second half with, um, you know, the wheels just sort of fell off for Minnesota and every, everything seemed to come together for Seattle. Um, and maybe as the broadcasters continue to allude to, time in and time out <laughs> over the broadcast, Maybe this is sort of the beginning of Seattle's MLS regular season, and this is the quality we can expect. Um, if you were watching the broadcast on ESPN, you you know how much they were just talking about that for Seattle. This is the start of the regular season. This is the unofficial start of the regular season. Their MLS campaign starts now. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I get it. We get it. Um, but, yeah, it was really just the second half that did in Minnesota United. But all in all, with the chances they were able to generate, and I thought there were a lot of individuals who had quality performances tonight for the Loons, I don't consider this to be a super, you know, negative performance. I think there's some things you can take away from it. Uh, but even so, I do think it, it shows sort of where Minnesota truly stands in the realm of the Western Conference. And they are still uh, a couple goals per match away from that consistent quality that Seattle seems to provide year in and year out. Yeah, and this kind of also uh, sits in with my point as well is that you know, first half, we looked really good. Like, we scored goals. We were creating opportunities. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, our opportunities, we weren't always, you know, like we talked about with Franco, they weren't always decisive and they weren't always, like, <coughs> sorry, super amazing. But we genuinely looked good. And then the second half turns around, and I don't know if you already saw the, the expected goals chart, but as soon as the second half starts, Seattle basically just, spikes in a straight line and then just continues going like right off yeah. the chart whereas we don't really do we have a couple of little bumps at the end but yeah first half to second half was just this world of difference and in the first half we looked like a quality team that could definitely fight for top four and in the second half we didn't really look good at all like we didn't even really look like a playoff team right so there's there's definitely some work to be done but the the funny thing is, is that we're still above Seattle in the table. 
but because mm-hmm. their their season only starts now, they're actually two games behind us and four <laughs> points, right? So yeah. even so, once if Seattle win the next two games, we would only be, you know, two points behind Seattle technically. It doesn't feel like that though. <laughs> it feels no, it, like it, it we're a lot further behind than that. Absolutely. Um, guys, as you're trickling into the stream, thank you guys so much for watching. Hit that thumbs up if you could. And also, if you have a question, comment, uh, an overall takeaway from the match, we'd love for you to get involved in the conversation. Just drop that in the comments on our YouTube channel, and we will get to that as we roll on here. But it's time to shout out one of the great, great local businesses that make this possible here on Post Loons, Stimulus Athletic. And James, the uh, the man himself, take it away. Yeah, Stimulus Stimulus Athletic founder and former Minnesota United player Jason Mora began supporting 10K pitches in its infancy back in the summer of 2020, and he's continued to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of ours. Uh, Jason launched a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. Uh, This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Uh, Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Vlora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, American Outlaws, and even the Anguillian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you. It's pretty simple. Just head to stimulusathletic.com. Start a conversation with their amazing team and let them know that Jeremy and James from Soda Soccer sent you. Absolutely. I uh, can't, can't echo that sentiment enough about them really being friends of, of 10K Pitches and now Post Loons and SodaSoccer.com. Um, Stimulus is a great local business doing great things for your clubs. But if you're not the owner of a club and maybe that part of their business doesn't exactly fit with you, they also have some great athleisure wear. Um, I, put, I put on a t-shirt the other day um, I wore it when I woke up. I sort of wore it all day long, went out to lunch with the in-laws and stuff like that. And then later on at night, I went on, I went for a run, didn't have to change my shirt. Just put on some shorts, kept the same shirt on, went for like a three-mile run. It was awesome. Um, and uh, it's some high, high-quality stuff there with Stimulus. So if you want to get involved in that as well and uh, check out their athleisure line, just go to StimulusAthletic.com. All right, so we have a few comments on the stream here. Um, we have Sarge checking in. Sarge, we appreciate you. Says the back line was okay to start and could keep it together if playing some teams, but hard to hold up a team like Seattle for a full 90. Specifically when you get down a goal. When you really have to stretch and push for, for a goal, for an equalizer, whatever it is, um, yeah. Seattle is so great at taking advantage of that space that you give them on the on the counter. Um and I mean, their their counterattacks and their ability to to sort of take advantage of those was kind of amazing to watch. Even though you know, I'm sort of hoping that the loons <laughs> win and they're successful. It's hard not to sort of tip the cap at times to Seattle and just say well, this is this is an excellent product of soccer that we are watching right now. I mean, you don't win Concacaf Champions League and become the first MLS team to do so by being distinctly average, right? Like it's no. Yeah, it's it's amazing to watch how they go about it, and and you're right, like the back line really held it together, and we, like I said, we looked great in that first half, and then they really just put the pressure on, and and we just, like you said, the wheels fell off, we we disintegrated, and yeah, the better team won in the day, but 
I think they can be proud of how the first half went because we did look good and we did look quality. And then from the penalty, it all kind of just, yeah, went a bit downhill. So let's get into some of these moments of the match, James. Let's go in chronological order. Um, and we'll start with the uh, we'll start with the goal. We'll start with 35th minute here. Um, Fragapane sends that low centering pass into the box. Uh, it's not a, the greatest pass in the world, but it goes right through the <laughs> wicket to Nuhu, right at the foot of Lud, who buries the bunny to give the Loons the lead. Lud had had a couple of opportunities before this that he didn't take advantage of, but, I mean, he is not going to miss from seven yards out right in front of goal on that left foot. It's just not going to happen, and that gives the Loons the lead. Um, and, and ultimately, it's, I think, a deserved goal and a deserved lead for the Loons because once again, this is about the third match in a row that they've really gotten off the off the opening whistle on the front foot. They did it against LAFC, only lasted about 10, 15 minutes. They did it against Cincinnati, about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I'd say the whole first 45 was pretty much in favor of Minnesota United from a possession, a quality of possession, goal scoring opportunity generating perspective. Um, you know, that they really had that first half. Probably, honestly, probably should have gotten a couple goals there. It would have been nice to get a two-goal cushion, but they do get that there in the 35th, and it's who else? Robin Ludd. I mean, there's a reason why he's been put up top over the last few matches. He's really one of the only guys his team can look to and say, you know what, this guy's not going to miss if he gets the ball between the posts. Yeah, I mean, adds goal number four to the season, which is twice as many as anyone else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we always talk about how we have a goal-scoring problem, but you know, at least at least Robin Lodd, you can always count on to to bang it in. I know he missed one uh, a little bit earlier as well, kind of left-footed shot somehow, curled it wide, and but uh, yeah, he looked good. I mean, Ray found him as well, flicked it on goal. Uh, so yeah, Ray found Lodd as well, who flicked it on goal, and Stefan Fry made a save. So yeah, could easily have had two or three. Um, but yeah, just a beautiful goal. We go up, and and honestly, at that point, I think we deserved it. We we did look the better team. Absolutely. And then you, so you take that one nil lead into half and then in the 50th minute, that's where Seattle gets the equalizer and it's Rui Diaz from the spot. Um, he's the one who earns the penalty and they were talking on the broadcast. Very interesting that Ladero was not the one to take the penalty as he was 15 for 15 on PKs and MLS play uh, before this one, but Rui Diaz earns the penalty um, I believe it was both Will Trapp and Bakai Debasi who made contact. I think the foul was actually officially credited to Trapp. But either way, um, that puts Rui Diaz on the spot. Now, Dane St. Clair guesses right here, and he gets a paw on it. I think just proving how good this guy is on penalty kicks. He knows where the shooter's going to go pretty much every single time, but that shot was fired in with so much pace uh, that he really wasn't going to uh, to stop that one no matter how good of a jump he got on it. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, it was really powerful. And Will Trap, uh, yeah, I got the yellow card and uh, and the foul, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's just like I was talking to the guys, um, you know, Sam and 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 Justin and, and Doomsday Jeremy. Uh, if you've listened to the pod, you'd know. But it was uh, you know, it was one of those things where Jordan Morris just looked so quick and was just so explosive at running that we were going to have a problem. And then, and then Rui Diaz just gets in behind as well. And yeah, we, uh, yeah, we just, we just have no answer when it's like extremely quick wingers or, or strikers. Like we just, we don't really seem to have an answer for them at the moment. 
No, no. And, um, you know, I, I think this back line has done well. I mean, they, they've been, you talk, we talked about the revolving doors sort of up front with how many different guys are paired together up front. The back line, I mean, aside from the last few, last week or two weeks with the inclusion of Kamar Lawrence, has been kind of revol- a revolving door as well. And despite that, they've really performed well for the most part, um, doing well defensively. But like I said, I mean, the quality of a guy like Rui Diaz and just overall the front line that Seattle brings forth, it's just there's not much you can really do at that point. Um, and uh, I think the penalty was, I think it was a good call to call the penalty there and obviously a, a good – Good kick from the spot to equalize things. Now, in the 65th, that's where we get the Hoangwani substitution. He comes on for Fragapane. Um, and then in the 72nd, we get Luis Maria on for Abu Dunladi. Um, also in the 72nd, right after that sub, uh, Reynoso curls in a corner perfectly. And Bongi is just awaiting wide open on the back post. Like, literally, like, a foot off the back post. He is right there. And... So, and he gets a clean header on it. Somehow this thing goes wide. And for the life of me, this is the one where I'm left scratching my head is how does this not end up in the back of the net? Just, I mean, you talk about an A plus opportunity. It's an A plus plus opportunity for Bongi to open his account, but unfortunately it goes wide. And, uh, you know, that, that, that could have been the one to sort of change the moment, change the momentum a little bit. Ah, man, I'm so excited for when he finally gets one. I'm just, I'm really excited to see what his celebration is going to be. Uh, mm. that, that's my thing that I'm looking forward to. But, oh, man, just, yeah, he, like you should be putting that away. You know, there, yeah. there's really, there's no excuse for missing that. And if you have a 2-0 lead, like you said, it's a totally different game. But it's going to come. Uh, and I, I would like to think that when he does score, the floodgates are just going to completely open and then we're going to start seeing a lot more goals. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you're barely going to get a, a more guilt-edged chance than that. And it kind mm-hmm. of reminds me of when, you know, Renoso started as well. You know, Renoso missed a fair few opportunities that were really good before. Yeah. Was it the free kick that he banged in? Was that the first one? Or there was so, just some... Yeah. Yeah, there was just an absolute banger that he's that he got in. It's like, how do you score this, but not yeah. like these five other much easier opportunities? And I feel the same thing is going to happen from Bongi. It's going to be some screamer from outside the box, and you're like, how do you miss a header that's right there, but you score that, right? Yeah, I think like sure. that. That's the kind of what it's what I'm feeling it's going to be, or at least I hope it's going to be anyway. Well, two minutes later, oh. Seattle takes full advantage of that miss. Uh, Roldan with a shot that you talk about tipping your cap to the other side. I mean, that's one yeah. that you just have to admire. He finds some space at the top of the 18, grows, goes across his body here with the right foot. So he is facing basically directly to the, uh, the touchline um, on the right side of the pitch. And he puts his right foot on the ball. And somehow, the way his body's positioned, he's able to go across his body and curl the ball into the top left corner. Um, just an, 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 an amazing shot. The way his body positions his body, he sort of hides the ball as well. So DSC is not able to get a good jump on it. I don't know if he would have gotten to it anyways. Just perfectly tucked in that top corner. And Seattle has the lead, and you're starting to feel that slipping away really start to happen here after that goal. Like Seattle's cooking, and uh, Minnesota's definitely not. 
yeah, I don't really have much else to add to that. It was uh, it was a stunner, and uh, yeah, it's just the kind of quality you expect from the uh, Concacaf champions whose season starts today, right? <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm quite glad I, I my stream had no commentary because <laughs> like, it wasn't uh, wasn't super fantastic, but yeah, just a great goal, quality. Not much more to say about that. 82nd minute, the Loons bring on two subs, DJ Taylor, Adrian Anu, on for O'Neill Fisher and Will Trapp, which means the Loons have two strikers on the pitch with Unu and uh, Amaria, who've sort of been asking some questions and wondering what that would look like. But I don't know if we really got a good grasp of what that could look like because you're putting them on for the last 10 or so minutes in a match where you're already down to one. Um, either way, 84th, Seattle taking advantage of the open space with uh, Minnesota pushing for that equalizer. Uh, low pass sent across the box that finds Morris um, point blank effort blocked excellently by DJ Taylor here. Uh, Taylor gets in front of yeah. uh, gets gets in front of DSC gets between DSC and Morris. Uh, Morris does try to lift the shot, and I think if Taylor isn't able to block that, that probably does end up in the back of the net. Uh, but just I, I wanted to shout out DJ Taylor here because you know we've sort of given him a little bit of uh, I'm gonna say a little bit of flack, but um, you know, not a lot of uh, positive conversation around DJ Taylor and his current performance, at least. A lot of it's focused on potential, but he did really, really well there to block that shot and keep the loons in striking distance. Yeah, it was uh, it was great defense. Yeah. And that, that's like like we said, there really wasn't – this wasn't a bad performance overall for Minnesota. They had some good good moments all in all. I think they were solid defensively and, and good and average, at least, in all parts of the pitch, but you can't be average because a team like Seattle, that's for sure. Uh, 90 plus yeah. three, Minnesota earns a free kick, close to 25 yards out. Reynoso fires this low curler that misses the wall, and Fry is flat-footed on the goal line. There's no way he is getting over to save this one, but it's just wide of the goal. And that's another one where you're like, man, it's just, it's just not your day. It's just not your day when that one goes wide, and you're sort of – you've accepted your fate at that point, but then one minute later – the Seattle gets their gets their goal to ice it. Loons are stretched once again on the all-out attack. Ladero beats St. Clair, and that'll do it. Three-one, your final. Any uh, any other major takeaways from this one, James? I mean, yeah, we uh, a classic case of us just trying and trying and trying, and then just getting exposed to the back like we did against Colorado a couple times last year, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, 3-1 probably doesn't reflect, I think, how how it went. I think we were better than – I think we were better than that, in, definitely in the first half, and and we were just trying to hold on. But at the end of the day, Seattle, they were the better team. They get it done, and, and you know, they're – what did I say? 11th in the, in the standings. They uh, – yeah, I think now we'll see them quite quickly – shoot up to the top of the table or near the top they'll definitely be at the top of the power rankings this week we know that much for sure oh uh, my. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now it's time to shout out our friends at the top of the table in local realty and that is pence holmes nate pence you if you're on minnesota united twitter you probably follow nate, nate pence or at least seen some of his tweets he loves the loons supports the loons but also supports minnesota soccer as a whole you'll also see him out at events for minneapolis city minnesota aurora as well um, but in his day job, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis areas. 
and he, uh, you know, he proudly supports those various teams and supports the soccer community. But he's also very, very good at helping you navigate this sort of weird market that we're in, um, whether you're buying or selling or both. Nate is the guy you need to talk to if, in your, if you're in Minneapolis or St. Paul. Um, he's helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes. It's made them very happy as a result. Don't take our word for it, though. Check out their website, pentshomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Check out some of the reviews on there. Go to Google, go to, you know, wherever you, whatever you think you could trust for ratings and reviews for Realty Goes, go to that website. And I promise you, you'll find that Pence Homes has a high quality rating and number of reviews to back it up. Um, just email Nate at PenceHomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. Or again, head to their website, PenceHomes.com to learn more about it and uh, to have that consultation with Nate and his team. And make sure you let them know that Jeremy and James from Post Loons and Soda Soccer sent you over there. All right, so now we're going to look ahead here, James. But before we do that, um, I believe we got another we got another um, comment. Just want to look through this real quick. Uh, it says the whole system of playing through Ray is easy to counter. Teams have been putting two guys on him, not giving him room to move without pressure and forcing bad passes. Mistake, losing his temper. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we know that this attack goes through Emmanuel Reynoso. I mean, that's that's no secret to us. That's no secret to the opposition too. Um, yeah. it's, it's worked and I think it's helped generate chances. I don't necessarily think it's the buildup through Ray. That's been the problem. I just think it's, it's been that final ball. It's been once you get to the point where it's like, okay, now we need to actually generate the goal scoring opportunity that we've earned through this buildup. This is that, that piece is missing. And that may be due to the, uh, you know, the, the easy to counter, so to speak, uh, nature of the attack. It may be due to the fact that this team might be too repetitive in the way that they attack. Um, but I don't necessarily think the the flow through Ray in the attack has been the issue personally. Me, it's been more once they get to the box, once they get in that space to generate a shot, that's been that's been the issue. Yeah, I mean, it's something we talked about on Podloons last week as well. Uh, you know, we got the question from uh, from Hop Clouds about what our system is and whether we have one. And we do have a system, you know, like Christian says, the system is play through Ray, <laughs> which, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, does work, but also everybody knows this. So until we generate a different system or until we we have a separate plan, like I say, it's going to be easy to counter. It's going to be easy to get frustrated. But if I'm Ray, you know, I know why I'm getting frustrated as well, because there is no person that is tackled more on our team than Emmanuel Reynoso. Like in the league, I think statistically in the league, he is the most tackled player in the league. Now, somebody could look at that and let, let me know I'm wrong, but at least think last year he was the most tackled player. Like before today, he had drawn 35 fouls, right? The next mm -hmm. highest is Kervin Ariaga with 14 fouls, right? That's amazing. He's drawn 20 <laughs> more fouls than anyone else on our team. And don't get me wrong, he's also committed more fouls than anyone else on our team at 26. But when you're constantly getting kicked, punched, dragged, kicked, like just harassed, jumped over, of course you're going to give some back because like what you, you can't take it down. And, you know, he's not the kind of guy to take it lying down. And, mm. you know, of course he's going to get yellow cards. You know, this is his fourth yellow card for the, for the season. But when you've been fouled 36 times you know i think uh sorry 35 times before today you're yeah you're gonna have some some words about it at least 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, I think Adrian Heath has even said they've talked to the league about it and there have been conversations going on in that regard. And um, it's not, to me, it's not as prevalent this season as it was last year. I mean, last year was pretty ridiculous. But even as you said this year, the separation between first and second, at least from a team perspective, is, is so vast that it's uh, it's hard to it's hard to overlook. That's for sure. Yeah, let me uh, let me quickly pull up last year's stats. Last year he got fouled a hundred and seven times, and that's in like the second place matches. That's like three per match. Wow. Yeah, and the second place was uh, Hassani Dodson with forty-two fouls drawn. <laughs> right. So it's, 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 it's not funny, but it's just ridiculous. Like it's not even insane. close. Like at all. And, and Reynoso played 29 games. Wow. That's, that's incredible. like, it's more than five a game for, for a game. It's about four a game. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, that's, that's the focal point of the attack. Teams know that they know they have, how they can frustrate them and by putting them on the ground. Um, yeah. So that's been the, that's the defensive focus and that's the defensive tactic against minnesota it has been for the last two seasons put right on the ground that's what yeah. it is right it's no secret um so they need what they need to do is they need to find a way to navigate around that and find they need to find another piece that the defense can for a defense to focus on because right now the defense is just focusing on ray and that's been an effective defensive tactic against Minnesota United. You got to find a way to change that up and try to get some more some more dangerous pieces in that attack for a defense to focus on. Whether that means just trying to prop up some of the pieces you already have, or if that means looking elsewhere, which is weird for me to say after the you know the influx of strikers this offseason that this team might need to look for another attacking piece. At this point, twelve matches in, we're kind of looking at that reality right now. Um, but let's yeah. look ahead here. I'm sorry. Oh, go sorry, ahead, James. Before we look ahead, I was just gonna. I was just gonna add. It's not not so much like like don't. I think it's like don't get it confused. Like we don't need a striker. I think we need another playmaker. Like we need someone else like Ray to help distribute and help bring into the attack because we have enough strikers. And like the reason that I think part of the reason is they're not scoring enough goals is because. Ray gets fouled so much, there's no opportunity. But if you have two playmakers, or at least, you know, someone else for him to bounce off, and Ariaga has been outstanding in this regard as well, Yeah, is that that's kind of what helps unlock it. But as we keep still trying to go through Ray so much, that's the real, like, that's kind of the problem that we have. 100%. Um, on tap, we got LA Galaxy at home on Wednesday. That's a 7 p.m. Central Time kickoff. And then following Sunday, you're at FC Dallas at 6 p.m. And then you follow that up on the 25th with the Open Cup match against USL League One, defending USL League One champs, Union Omaha, on Wednesday the 25th. But looking at these next two league matches specifically, you got a big one at home against the Galaxy, and then you go on the road to face an FC Dallas team who is, you know, they've beaten the likes of Seattle and, and, and gotten a few good results at home as well. So not an easy stretch coming up, but a stretch where you need to try to get some points to keep yourself sort of in, at least in contention at this point of the season. Yeah, I mean, you're up against number four, who has six wins, uh, and you're up against number two in Dallas, who also has six wins. So, yeah, like you said, this is this is tough. Like, this is not this is not fun 
Uh, this is going to be, I mean, Dallas beat the Galaxy. They've pretty much beaten almost everyone. Uh, I think they only have one loss, which is against New England, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only loss they've had all season. So that is, uh, that is, a, that is going to be a tough nut to crack. But firstly, it's LA Galaxy who, you know, they're coming off. They, they actually just lost to FC Dallas 3-1. But yeah, they've had they've had some pretty good results as well. But yeah, man, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough couple of games. But like you said, we need to get points. We need to at least get a win just to try and keep up with everyone who's ahead of us. I mean, sixth to ninth are all on fifteen points, and we are one point behind all those guys, right? So yep. we're already starting to kind of lose touch. We're nine points behind LAFC in first. So we're already starting to lose touch with the top. So we have to at least win one of these two games. If we lose both of these games, that's a real that's a real problem already. 100%. All right, guys. Well, if there are no more uh, questions or comments on the stream, that'll do it for this edition of Post Loons. Again, it's a 3-1 Minnesota United loss at Seattle. Um, not the ideal result. Uh, but, uh, you know, you go into this week needing points and an opportunity to do so Wednesday um, at home against the Galaxy. Post Loons will be back for another episode following that one as well. James, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, I'm going to be at that Open Cup game, actually. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the stars aligned. We got a home game, and I actually fly in that day uh, because the day after is Minnesota Aurora inaugural nice. game day. So I will be there. Minneapolis City, I've got a scarf here as well. I'm going to be at that game. And then I'm going to be at the United versus NYCFC game as well the day after that. So there's... Man, four four, games. Four games in four days. How are you going to be here? I know. It's it's, it's exciting, man. I'm excited to be there. There's also the Champions League final on that that Saturday as well. So it's got to find, got to go find a bar as well. To watch we'll that, have to go yeah, we'll have to get the band be, together. Uh, Maybe head over to our Night Street Soccer and Coffee and watch some Champions League final action. There you go. Love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw one comment that said, uh, "Is the U.S. Open Cup is our priority?" I, I think, I think it would have to be right. I think you do. Uh, you're facing now. Again, nothing against Union Omaha and nothing against USL League One. We have seen USL League One perform very, very well against MLS in this tournament. I do think that's an opportunity where you could rotate a little bit in an open cup match, but still prioritize the tournament overall. So I think you're in an advantageous situation there, but yeah, if you, if you beat Omaha and you get into the quarterfinals, you, uh, you 100%, you, you you rotate for league games, uh, to, to try to move on in the the open cup, in my opinion, at that point, but hundred percent, we will see what happens moving forward with Minnesota United and we'll be here to cover it. Uh, so soccer.com and post loons. James, thank you so much, man. This was fun. Get to bed, get some sleep, and we'll talk soon, all right? Sounds good, mate. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching, for listening, for participating. We'll be back Wednesday after the match against the Galaxy. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Peace.